comma, do the same thing. And do the same thing. By the way, do you know what the second sentence is? Huh. Find out what poor people do, comma, and whatever else you do, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's profound because you know what you just said to me? How many of us follow what we've seen? We do. We, we, we listen to the folks that are broke as a joke. <laughs> and we'll do everything they tell us to do. My neighbor said that that's dangerous. It's a scam. Really? If they knew that much more than you, they wouldn't be your neighbor. They'd live, live in a different neighborhood. <laughs> right? So we have to get advice from other people who know more than we know. Ooh, and there's, okay. and I'm, that's not to imply that everybody who's broke doesn't know anything. But here's what the scripture says. This is not Myron Golden. Talk. All right, all right. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says there was a little city. There's a great king that besieged this little city. But in this city, it was found a poor wise man. This poor wise man delivered this city from this mighty king. And here's what it says after that. Yet no man remembered that same poor wise man. And it says, wisdom is better than strength. And what does it say right after that? But a poor man's wisdom is despised. One of the reasons sometimes the people in our sphere of life don't want to listen to us because they, they're watching us struggle through life. Yeah. And they, they look at us and say, if you know that much, how come it ain't working for you? Yeah. You tell me how many black folk you want to sell out, and I guarantee I'll show you how to make money. Because you see, every ethnic group, every religious group, every racial group, every political group has always made money off of black folk. Okay? There is nobody else left on earth to make rich but yourselves. The time is running out. We need money. We don't need jobs. We need money. And in conclusion, there's a, there's a, the one lady told me, this is Dr. Dan, she said, I love everything you say, but you got to quit talking about money all the time. I said, why? She said, because money is not everything. So I said, tell me what money is not. <laughs> she said, well, money can't buy you love. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, without finance, it won't be in the romance. She said, you know, you can make all those smart statements you want to. I'll tell you what, I bet you money won't take you to heaven. I said, I'll tell you what. You let money take me as far as it can, I get off and walk the rest of the way. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Space and Time. My name is Wilson. And I hope everyone is doing well out there. I've been very, very well, uh, if you were concerned. <laughs> but I'm doing well. I hope you are also. And uh, so today, I just want to get right into it. Uh, today's called Finances 101. And uh, it's basically me just going over some things that I've learned over the last several years that, you know, I've really gotten to financing and learning all these things. And a lot of them have been things that have really just reshaped my mind, reshaped the way I do things, and ultimately setting me on the path to lead a more fruitful life later on. And I'm very keen on trying to pass this knowledge on to people, educating them. And so I just figured I would take time out to go over some of these things. And just kind of go over the basics that I feel are most important before you completely throw yourself into something. One of my favorite mantras is learn the rules so you can break them. So here we go. And before we start, I'd like to say this is not, I repeat, this is not financial advice. This is purely for entertainment. Uh, we must protect ourselves out here. So it's important that I say that little disclaimer. 
All right, the first term we're going to start off with is asset allocation. What does this mean? So asset allocation basically means what percentage of your portfolio is in stocks versus bonds. This is critical, and um, they say 90% of the returns as an investor goes back to this question right here. Now, you may be wondering, what are the main differences between stocks and bonds? Well, stocks give you partial ownership in a corporation, while bonds are a loan from you to a company or a government. Another big difference is how they generate profit. Stocks must appreciate in value and be sold later on in the stock market, while most bonds pay fixed interest over time. Stocks represent partial ownership or equity in a company. When you buy a stock, you're actually purchasing a tiny slice of the company or a share. And the more shares you buy, the more of the company you own. Bonds are a loan from you to a company or a government. Like I said, there's no equity involved nor any shares to buy. Put simply, a company or government is in debt to you when you buy a bond and it will pay you interest on the loan for a set period, after which it will pay back the full amount you bought for the bond. When you hear about equity and debt markets, that's typically referring to stocks and bonds. Equity is the most popular liquid financial asset, which is an investment that can easily be converted into cash. Corporations often issue equity to raise cash to expand operations. And in return, investors are given the opportunity to benefit from the future growth and success of that company. Buying bonds means issuing a debt that must be repaid with interest. You won't have any ownership stake in the company, but you'll enter into an agreement with the company or government that you will be paid fixed interest over time, as well as the principal amount at the end of that period. Now, next, we're going to be talking about diversification. Now, diversification doesn't mean how many different types of stocks you own. It basically means how many different things you have in your portfolio. So do you have stocks, bonds, funds, private equity, real estate, those sorts of things. The more things you have in different fields, the more diversified you are. Next, we're going to be talking about liabilities, which is a legal obligation to settle a debt. Liabilities detract from your net worth, which is opposite from an asset, which is why they say credit cards are so bad. Now, asset, I already touched on that a little bit, but asset is defined as something valuable belonging to a person or organization that can be used for the payment of debts. Liquidity means how much cash can I get my hands on right now if I needed to? You know, this helps to hopefully helps you to manage emergencies. So liquidity is something that you can convert into cash pretty quickly if you needed to. Now, collateral, that is any asset you pledge as security for a loan. So if I need a loan, I can pledge my house. I can pledge my car. Usually if you own it outright and you can get a loan and use that that asset as a security. That way, if you don't pay, they can come and repossess a lien. That's a creditor's legal claim to the collateral you pledged as security for the loan. Now, something that was really important for me was just kind of understanding the idea of not all debt is bad because growing up, you're just kind of taught that. Well, usually because we mess up really early on. So the idea is just, you know, you don't want any type of debt. But when I learned about good debt and bad debt, that was um, I think that was pretty revolutionary for me and I actually have something from a uh, PowerPoint presentation that I have 
and uh, it's one of my mentors, Myron Golden, and he's talking about debt. Give it a listen. Go borrow. This is the first thing he told her to do. Now, there are a lot of people out there who tell you debt is bad and all debt is created equally, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's good debt and there's bad debt. Bad debt is money that you borrow to spend on things that become worth less over time. Good debt is money that you borrow to build wealth and you can use that wealth to pay off the debt. So, yeah. So I think that was said pretty well. So student loan is has been used as an example of good debt for a while now. Um, but I don't know. In light of everything that's been going on, uh, it's supposed to increase your income. That's usually why it's been looked at as basically being good debt because of its low interest rate and the fact that it's supposed to increase your income where you're not supposed to take, you know, 20, 30 years to pay it back. In light of everything that's been going on in terms of, you know, it being forgiven and everything like that, it's just um, and more and more coming to light in terms of how much people are actually paying a month for student loans, which, you know, for some people is pretty substantial. It's like almost a, a rent or a mortgage. So that's yeah. So that that's a, another discussion for another day. Um, but, you know, for the most part, everyone can agree that credit card debt is bad debt because of the high interest rate and it taken away from wealth accumulation. But at the same time, there's good and bad in all. So the fact that, you know, credit card debt can be leveraged to basically make more money. So it's all a matter of, you know, one of the main things I've learned with uh, finances is about it's about discipline. Another term is EBITDA, which basically means earnings before interest taxes, depreciation and amortization, which is gradually writing off the initial cost of an asset. And uh, I think that is a way for a lot of companies to basically figure out how profitable they are and how they're managing, you know, what's coming in, what's going out and everything else that surrounds that. And I actually heard this podcast uh, episode um, and they were talking about that. You know, the topic was actually when do I need a financial advisor? And they basically laid out five criteria for you to know when to basically seek out. So they said when you have an emergency fund of at least three months, when you have a meaningful retirement contribution, uh, when your credit cards are paid off um, or pretty low, when you have life insurance and 100K to invest. That was their five point criteria. Your net worth is your assets minus your liabilities, which is everything that you own minus everything that you owe. So that equals your net worth. And I actually have a six point bulletin here from somewhere. Again, I've collected so many things after a while. I, I forgot where they're from. But thank you to all of you. Um, so they said set a target. Uh, I guess these are ways to increase increase your net worth. So set a target, track the target, uh, quit spending, start investing, eliminate consumer debt, which depletes income. And you want to increase investor debt, which earns income. They said increase income until you don't need income. And they said what you want is debt income, which is not taxed. Income is taxed. They said in the beginning, you have to increase your income, take the earned income and invest in assets and increase your earning power and take that and leverage it into real assets. Next, we're going to talk about the rule of 72. 
So the rule of 72 is a calculation that estimates the number of years that it takes to double your money at a specified rate of return. If, for example, your account earns 4%, divide 72 by 4 to get the number of years it will take your money to double. Now, according to Standard & Poor's, the average annualized return of the S&P index, which later became the S&P 500, from 1926 to 2020 was 10%. At 10%, you could double your initial investment every seven years, 72 divided by 10. Here are some key takeaways. The 2010 rule says your consumer debt payments should take up at a maximum 20% of your annual take-home income and 10% of your monthly take-home income. This rule can help you decide whether you're spending too much on debt payments and limit the additional borrowing that you're willing to take on. Now, if we're talking about stocks, there's a few terms that I think are important. One of them is knowing what a bear market is. So a bear market is a decline of 20 or more percent. The average bear market is 446 days and the average decline is minus 38 percent. Stocks lose 36 percent on average in a bear market. Now, on the opposite end of that, we have a bull market, which is the stock market doing very well. The average duration of a bull market roughly is about 2,069 days, and the average return is 209%, and stocks gain 114% on average in a bull market. Stock options give a trader the right but not the obligation to buy or sell shares of a certain stock at an agreed upon price and date. Stock options are a common form of equity derivative. One equity options contract generally represents 100 shares of the underlying stock. All right, the next set of information comes from the Warren Buffett page that I had. And I'll start off with the quote that's at the top. Quote, you are going to move in the direction of the people you associate with, unquote. I believe in that wholeheartedly. And uh, there's uh, a few steps here, 15 on all, but they're like a few words. First one is find your passion. Second one is hire well. Third one is don't care what others think. Fourth, read, read, read. Fifth, have a margin of safety. Sixth, have a competitive advantage. Seventh, schedule for your personality. Eighth, always be competing. Nine, model success. Ten, give unconditional love. Eleven, cash is a bad investment. Twelve, wait for the right pitch. Thirteen, invest in productive assets. 14 accept your mistakes 15 invest in yourself i think that's probably the most important one the next thing is making two lists with someone you'd like to trade places with list the things you admire about that person and then someone you wouldn't want to switch places with and why and they said to revisit that list every couple of years or so and they said if you have significant credit card debt you'll probably have financial difficulties the rest of your life and quote, it's easier to stay out of trouble than to get out of it, unquote. Most people who wrote to him about their issues were in crisis after having a medical emergency, which snowballed into financial debt, or they racked up huge credit card debt, paying 18 to 20 percent interest. I know all about that. I've been there before. They said first rule of investment is don't lose. If you buy things for far below what they're worth and you buy a group of them, you don't lose. Exploit the full potential of your talents. If you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. And to finish off with the last quote, 
I just want to know where I'm going to die so I never go there. I thought that one was pretty good. Um, again, I hope this was helpful and I plan to do more uh, finance episodes, obviously, and I'll have people on and we'll discuss different topics. But I thought it was really important for me just to share kind of like the bulletin episode of the foundational, you know, uh, the glossary items that was important for me to find out and to revisit and kind of use as a template to stay on the right track. Um, I say this all the time. I'm like a broken record about it. But, you know, other than death, no subject has affected me more than money and usually a lack thereof. So for me, it was important to throw myself headfirst into it, learn about it so I could try to master it and like many things, I feel like it'll be one of those lifetime journeys. So if you have anything to share, any other foundational contributions, um, please, you know, uh, leave a comment in the podcast app and uh, I'd be happy to talk about it on the next podcast or anyone after that. All right. So thank you for joining me. I hope this was in some way informative and you got something out of it. Um, see y'all soon. Peace. So that you can be a light in a dark world. Come on. So that you can have something that people who see you desire the answers that you have. Not the stuff you have. Yeah. The most valuable thing you'll buy with money is not a house and it's not a car. The two most valuable things that you can do with money are one is buy back your time. And two is leave a generational inheritance for your children and your children's children. You don't make your children start over. You don't make your grandchildren start over. You create a family legacy. Amen. That's the name of the game.